As we live in the year 2020, let us be a people who rejoice. When we hear the word rejoice, it's rare that we would use that word in a sentence. Often it's in song. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel uh, shall come to thee, O Israel, as we sang in December. Uh, Or, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Triple clap, right? Maybe you grew up in church hearing that song. And when you think about rejoice, you immediately think about the songs we sing, but it's rare that we go to one another and say, rejoice, brother, or rejoice, sister, in the Lord. But yet we are not just to rejoice, we are commanded to rejoice. When we say the word rejoice, and as we look at it within its context, it means to enjoy a state of happiness and well-being. So let me just approach something for a moment. And, and I've failed at this in the past, trying to draw a distinction between happiness and joy and saying that God could care less about your happiness and he cares more about your joy. And we couldn't be more wrong when we say that for God does want us to be happy. He wants us to, ha- he wants us to have a deep-seated happiness within our souls. That's why when we look to Christ, there is a peace that we receive and a true happiness that we did not have before we trusted in Christ. So Jesus does want you to be happy, but he wants you to be happy in the Lord, not happy in our own ways, not delighting in our own will and desire, but delighting in the ways of the Lord. It's for our happiness and for our well-being. As Paul is writing this, he understood that When we face difficulties in life, we have a natural tendency to complain, right? Or to be in despair. We see this in in multiple ways. Our natural tendency is to fear, to be afraid. When we have fear, we're showing that we have a need for control. A need for control. If we lose our job... All of a sudden, we feel a loss of identity. We need to take hold of something. That which we did almost every day of our lives is no longer in place. And there's a fear that comes within us. Or if you are studying hard for a test and you absolutely bomb that test, you are afraid that you may not pass the class. And if you do not pass the class, then what will you do for the rest of your life? Fear a need for control, or despair, which is a loss of control. We experience despair through broken relationships. It is painful when we hear the words, I'm not interested in you anymore, or I'm just not attracted to you in that way. That's a really tough one to hear, I know from personal experience. Or this isn't working out or I don't think I can do this anymore, or we're through, or we're finished. And worst of all, this is done through text message. (laughs) Despair. A loss of control. If I'm not with this person anymore, now what? I felt like I had some control in my life, but now that I'm without a person that I love and care for or enjoyed uh, being around them, now I feel a loss of control. I feel despair. There are many broken relationships in which we experience this despair or anger. We can have a natural 
tendency to become angry when something doesn't go our way or we're inconvenienced or something has really been done wrong against us. Anger is when we are out of control. Not all anger is bad. We can have a righteous anger, and that's a hard one to possess, but it is made possible through Christ. But many times when we show anger, there's not really anything righteous about it. But yet, we're out of control. The funny thing, and really not so funny, but what's crazy about being out of control in anger is we actually feel that we're in control when we're releasing our anger towards someone or something. These are natural tendencies, fear, despair, anger. You say, oh no, I... I." fear all the time, or I am in despair all the time, or I get angry a lot. What now? Rejoice. Rejoice. You say, if if only that were possible. And it is, because this is a command to rejoice. Not, hey, if you're feeling like it, how about rejoice today? No, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. How often should we rejoice? Always. And again, I will say, rejoice. He says it twice because they didn't use exclamation points at this time. But if it were written through text today, it would say, rejoice, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. As some of you like to text, multiple explanation points. Always. And again, I will say, rejoice. We have been set free to live our lives in a state of rejoicing. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we make much of Jesus Christ for the glory of God the Father from now until Christ returns. Until Christ returns. Every day is an opportunity for us to rejoice. Every moment is an opportunity for us to rejoice. Often Christians are labeled as staunch, judgmental, fake, cheesy, out of touch with reality, or boring. Sometimes we as Christians label other Christians this way. But yet, above all things, we should strive to be gracious. Gracious. Number one, we can rejoice as we are gracious towards everyone. Maybe they will call you cheesy. Maybe they will call you boring. But may they also say that that is a person who rejoices in all things. We can rejoice as we are gracious towards everyone. That is a person. Not only do they rejoice, but they are gracious towards everyone. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. As you read that in the ESV, you say reasonableness. Okay, let our defense be known, our reason for believing. Maybe that's what reasonableness means in this context, but it doesn't. It means gentleness or gracious. Let your gentleness Be known to everyone. Let grace be known to everyone around you. Titus 2.3. It means to, and and this is what we read in Titus 2.3, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy 
toward all people. I believe that sums up social media, doesn't it? Right there, perfectly. No, and that's just one way in which we can show our displeasure or our angst towards others. But may we be a people who speak evil of no one, who avoid quarreling, not that we won't have to settle conflicts, not that we won't have to deal with difficult things, not that we won't have to say hard things, but we will do our best to avoid quarreling, to get into little disputes that matter nothing, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Well, I don't like the way they looked at me. I don't like the way they responded when I held the door open for them and they said, well, I can get that myself, thank you very much. No, you're not supposed to say that. When somebody opens the door for you, you're supposed to say, why, thank you. You're a perfect gentleman. Your mother just raised you right. No, we show perfect courtesy toward all people, no matter how they respond to us. How do we know if someone is living in a state of rejoicing? Watch how they treat others. You can say all you want about who you believe God to be. You can come to church every time the doors are open. You can read your Bible every day, which is great. And you can say that you have a faithful prayer life. But how do you treat other people around you? That is evidence of those who are living in a state of rejoicing. As we see here, let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known to everyone. Our rejoicing leads us to be gracious towards others as we live with an awareness that God is making all things new, as we see in Revelation. Living in a broken world assures us that we will encounter broken relationships that are in need of restoration. We will not go wrong by remaining gracious towards everyone, no matter what their response may be in return. For our reward is in the return of Christ and knowing that his grace is sufficient for our every need. Although our promises may fail one another, God's promises fail us not. As we see in Joshua 21, 45, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed all came to pass. Not one word. There are times when my children will come to me and they'll say, Dad, remember you said you were going to go outside and play with me at this time. I said, I know I said that, and, and I'm quick to think of something in a moment. Remember you said, I cannot bear this testimony. My kids cannot stand before you today and say, my dad, my dad has always held good to his promises. If they're being truthful before you, they will say, my dad has failed in his promises. But as a follower of Christ and a child of God, I stand before you today and brag on the Heavenly Father to say, he always holds good on his promises. It is in him that we take hope and it is in him that we trust. And how much more for those who are in Christ as we pray, Jesus taught us to pray in the midst of that prayer. He is saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Capture this, that we can pray for his kingdom work to be done because he has brought us into the kingdom. Do you know how he ushered us into the kingdom? 
through his forgiveness, he forgave us. He says, you have wronged me. You don't love me, but I love you, and I am capturing you. I am taking hold of you, and no one will ever be able to snatch you out of my hand. And I am transferring you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And there you will stand in my kingdom, all through forgiveness. And so if God has brought us into his kingdom through forgiveness... Shouldn't we be a people who are faithful to forgive others? What has been done to you? What has that person done to you to where you say, I will never forgive them? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I bid you to look back to the cross and re-examine that statement. And we may be getting into some tough areas in your life as we approach this difficult topic of forgiveness. But trust and know that God has forgiven you of all things, and based off his forgiveness, we can forgive others. We can let our gentleness be known towards others. Let us rejoice by being gracious and gentle towards others. Number two, we can rejoice as we are mindful of God's work at hand. As we read, the Lord is at hand. He is coming soon. But presently, he continues his work through the church. Be mindful that you have been grafted into something much larger than yourself. A body that is made up of many members. And we today just represent a tiny fraction of the universal body of Christ. Good crowd here today, but we're just a tiny fraction of the church at large. Much of the church is worshiping today, gathered in buildings like this, gathered in homes much smaller than this. Some gathered underground due to persecution, but the church is gathering together. And here we represent just a small fraction, but praise God that he has grafted us into something much larger than ourselves for the purpose of redemption. Our recognition of being a part of something much larger than ourselves should not crush our greatest longings and desires. Instead, this reminder should fuel our greatest longings and desires to make Christ the grand prize, the reward of all of our day's work here on this present earth. By God's grace, we develop gospel-shaped minds. And because of his grace, and as we develop gospel-shaped minds, we are mindful that we are a part of a body that is much larger than ourselves. One way in which the flesh loves to take pity is for us to single ourselves out and to think that we have it worse than everyone else. Oh, there it goes again. It always happens to me. I knew it was going to happen to me. It doesn't happen to anybody else this way but me. We single ourselves out. But do you know that within that response is a deep-rooted pride We think as though we are different than anybody else, that we are separate than all other creation. What we need in that moment is to confess our pride 
in thinking too much of ourselves. And you say, you're not going in the right direction, Brian. You're beating me up here. No, we think too much of ourselves when we think that the promises do not pertain to us as well. So as we struggle with our confidence, as we struggle with anxiety, as we struggle with worry, as we struggle with depression, as we struggle with loneliness, may we run to God in prayer and find that in praying to him and trusting in him, we can rejoice. With gospel-shaped minds, number three, we can rejoice as we are faithful to do what God commands. Will you read verse six with me? If you have your Bibles out, uh, let me see, it was back on page 982, okay? Your Bible's out, Philippians 4, verse six. Read this verse with me out loud. Ready? Here we go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I wanted us to read that together because as we are all in Christ, if you've placed your trust in Christ, this is for us. This is not just for the people who are really good at praying. This is not for the people who are, have really good words when they pray or they sound really emotional when they pray or whiny when they pray or whatever it may be when they pray. This is for all of us, the church, that we pray that we run to the Lord when we are anxious. We addressed anxiety a few weeks ago, and I had some of you come up afterwards, and, and you were very real, you were very raw, and you were telling me that maybe even some of the things I said were, were hurtful. And I appreciate your feedback on that, because I want you to know that more than anything, I love you. And what we're addressing here with anxiety is, is combating against the world where the world says you can't help it. It's just who you're going to be the rest of your life. But yet when you come to verses like this in verse 6, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that you will always be labeled with anxiety disorder and that's all you will ever be. You may have some great challenges in your life and yet you may go see someone and they may uh, tell you that this is going on in your life and, and you know what, it may be true. It may be true that you're really dealing with anxiety real worries, real things that are causing you to uh, shell up or to remain quiet or to remain in fear. A powerful story uh, that many of you now don't even know this young man, uh, but he visited uh, a few years ago as a college student. He was very timid, very afraid, and he sat in the balcony at the very top row, and he was afraid uh, to come down he was afraid to talk with anyone. We prayed with him. Uh, we read the word together. Pastor Joby in the college ministry did an amazing job ministering to him, as did others who surrounded him. And then before long, he makes his way uh, down below here. And then he makes his way up on stage and he leads in music. And I'll never forget the day that he led in song. And I thought, God, you are so good. Here's a young man who walked in through the doors and was fearful to even go to a community group class. And he sat in the lobby, and I'm thinking, oh no, what? how can I help this young man except go sit beside him and say, we're here for you, and we're glad that you're here. I want to share the story with you today because that may be you right now. You may be really struggling with something, and you're going, I can't go to a pastor with this, or I can't tell anyone we're here. We don't want you 
to be dominated by anxiety, by fear. And we also want to point you to Christ so that you do not have to be anxious about anything. This sounds like a dream. How could this be true? It sounds too easy. But sadly, prayer is not very easy for us, is it? It's been made easy, but oftentimes we make it harder than what it really is. There's so many things that get in our way of praying. We need to call out what those things are and take them before the Lord. He already knows, and He wants us to bring them to Him so that we'll call upon Him. Do you know that when we pray and we look to Jesus, we can trust in the one who never worried? Jesus lived here for 33 years, and He never worried. Jesus was never filled with anxiety. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. what about that whole John 17 thing? Bleeding drops of blood, what was going on there? Those are drops of grief. He understood the task that was at hand, but do you know, when we look at that passage, how we know that Jesus was not sinning by worrying and being filled with anxiety because he didn't doubt the Father. He says, your will be done. It's when we don't want the will of God to be done or we could care less about the will of God, but more about how we feel. That's when we're in a dangerous position. Jesus was not in a dangerous position between him and the Father, but he placed himself in danger so that he could bring us to the Father. He took on our sin, and he paid it in full so that we do not have to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we let our requests be made known to God. We are to be quick to pray. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I do not mean this in a cheesy, cliche Christian way, but I do mean this. The greatest medicine for our anxiety is to cast our anxieties upon the Lord. As we see here in Scripture, why would we ever Burden God with our anxieties because he's not burdened by them. His mercy and grace is far greater than our anxieties. And he wants us to cast our anxieties upon him because he cares for us more than anyone. But yet oftentimes we go to anyone but him to explain what's going on. Look to him because he cares for you. Prayer, supplication, is to make one's particular need known. And yet there's an urgency based on a presumed need. You go, oh, I feel selfish always praying about my needs. He wants you to pray for your needs. He wants you to come before him with urgency. May we be quick to pray quick to pray for others, quick to pray for things going on in our own lives. Last night, this was just a sweet moment. I wish I could have been a part of it, but I wasn't because I was asleep. It was in the middle of the night, and my wife was so faithful to pray over one of our sons who was just having a tough time resting. And I heard this voice in the middle of the night, and I thought, what? Is Curry praying? Yeah, she's praying. And then I just fell back asleep. And this morning, we got to talking about it. And, and I just said, thank you so much. Thank you for taking that moment to approach the throne of grace and to pray over our child who was struggling during the night. Urgency. She didn't wait. And she didn't feel like, oh, that, that's petty. Why would I take that before the Lord? Because 
Our child was in need, and she could not give him all that he needed. But she could go to the one who could. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Man, thanksgiving is more than what we have in November. It is when we approach the Lord every time in prayer. And we can be thankful. And this is what we prayed earlier in our pastoral time. Thankful that through Jesus we can approach the throne of grace. You may have some heavy guilt due to some sin in your life. And you're going, I just can't call upon the Lord. He would be so disappointed in me. Only by grace can you approach the throne. But yet through grace you approach the throne. And you make your petition known. Also being thankful that through Jesus God hears our prayers. He hears them. It is okay if you pray and you feel like your prayer is hitting the ceiling because that ceiling is not blocking God's view from your heart. You go, but I don't feel it. It's okay. Can I assure you of something today? You don't have to feel it in order to pray it. You may not feel like showing forgiveness towards someone, but you can sure pray about it. In earnestness, God, may I show forgiveness towards the one who has offended me. I don't feel like doing it, Lord, but I need it to be done. Or I'm tired. I am lazy. I would rather watch sports. I would rather watch anything on Netflix than kneel and pray at this time. Maybe that's where you are at this moment in life. But yet you'll realize that there is little rejoicing when you fill your life with Netflix. Amen. But yet, if you will go before the Lord and say, God, I have loved Netflix more than I have loved coming before the throne of grace. Will you forgive me? He's not going to look back at you and go, how dare you? You make me sick. Now, that's how we treat each other sometimes when we're hurt by one another. But God's not sitting up there with his feelings hurt. He is the one that you go to and that you were honest before. And it is a throne of grace because he shows us multiple grace time and time again. God hears our prayers and then we're thankful that in Jesus we can rest in God's response. And we receive the peace of God. How is it that we can rest in God's response? Because God knows what is right. Pray what you really want before God. This is what we see when we pray and when we make supplication with thanksgiving. We know that I can ask something, but he may answer in a different way. Glory be to God because we're seeking out his will. Many times we're afraid to pray because we're afraid to pray something and be wrong in the end. That's pride. Call out the pride. God, I'm afraid to pray this right now because if I pray this, it may not happen. And then that will make me look as if I don't have a close relationship with you. That's pride, Lord. I'm calling it out right now. This is what my heart desires. Your will be done. See how that works? You just go before him. And, and, and with thanksgiving, with thankfulness, we can trust in the results. Number four, we can rejoice in the results. Hear this, the greatest part of our praying is God. It's not the sweet feeling that we may feel inside, although that's awesome. It's not the peace that we receive, although that's great. It's not the confidence that we may rise with after we pray. 
It's God. It's that we can draw close to God. Because before Christ, we could not draw close to the Father. Before the work on the cross and trusting in Him, we could not draw close to the Father. We were enemies. We were in rebellion in our sin. But yet now, as children of God, by His grace, we can approach the throne of grace and talk to God. May we start there with our thankfulness and gratitude and rejoicing when we pray. Christ made it possible. How did he make it possible? When he went to the cross and he shed his blood for sinners. He died for real sinners who did not love the Father. And the only way that they could ever love the Father is that he would die for them so that the grace would come upon them through the power of the Holy Spirit, awakening them from the deadness of their sin and allowing them to see their need for Jesus, repenting, trusting in Christ and being saved. Christ did that work. He made it possible. We didn't tag team. Jesus didn't say, man, okay, I'm done with my work. Now I'm going to tag you in, Brian. Now you do the rest of the work. No. He said, stay outside the ring because I am the only one who can do the effective work. And if I knew some more wrestling terminology, I would have thrown it in there, but I don't. But yet, he finished the work and it's in Christ that we place our trust. So that, verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are not to be a people ruled by anxiety. We're not to be a people ruled by sin. It's faith over feeling, as we said last week. But not only that, it's discipline over delight. You may not be delighting in God today, but you can have discipline in your life to trust him so that it will lead to future delight. If it's always left up to our delight, very few times will we approach the throne of grace. But yet through discipline, discipline over delight, Deuteronomy 4.31, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. As he said this to the children of Israel, we've been adopted into this promise and understanding that he will not leave us or destroy us or forget us, but he will remember his covenant. The peace of God will guard you, meaning his presence will be made known in our lives. This word guard is used for a prison guard. And I think back to the story in Acts when Paul was in prison and the prison was shaken. And all of a sudden the guard thinks, I'm done for. Because now the prisoners have been released and Paul says, no, stop. We're still here. What was this guard going to do? He was going to go kill himself because he knew that death would come upon him if the prisoners escaped. Have that in mind, a guard watching over a prisoner. But not in the negative sense, but in the positive. When the peace of God guards over our lives and will not leave us. This is what happens when we approach God in prayer. It's the duty of the guard to not let you out of his sight. Now imagine God. 
watching over your life. And the peace of God coming upon you. His presence will be made known in your life. So that we can say along with Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. When we pray, the peace of God comes over our lives and reminds us it's the things that we cannot see that are eternal. It is the things that we're having a hard time trusting that are eternal. Yet, also, the peace of God will remind us that the things that we can see and that we try to hold on to tightly to save us of our fears and our worries and our boredom, that those things always lead to disappointment when they act as pseudo-saviors in our lives. Go to the one true Savior, that being Christ. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I bid you to look to Christ Trust that he is the only one who could come and went to the grave. And he didn't stay in a grave. He rose from that grave so that we could have victory in him. He went to that grave because he poured out his blood into death. He did that so that you could trust that his life was taken. He took on the wrath of God in your place. Do you believe that today? Will you trust in Jesus today? Where you're seated, will you call out to the Lord right now? Lord, save me. I want to be a child of God. Forgive me of my sin. I trust in you. Will you you pray to the Lord today, right now, where you are? Save me, Lord. If God's working in your heart and you're coming to a point where you want to trust in Jesus, call out to him. There's nothing else you need to do but yet submit to Christ and be saved. If that is you, uh, will you check on that connection card? Tell me more about following Christ. Or you can meet with us in just a moment when we pray and sing. You can come forward and talk with us. We'd, we'd love to meet with you. Or we can meet with you in the back at the end of the service. Just don't let this time go without making it known that you want to follow Christ. We want to walk alongside you in that endeavor. For the church, I just want to close by giving you uh, a few um, helps this year because we can talk about praying and praying more but how can we better pray what are some disciplines in our life can i give you uh, just four of them uh, and maybe you'll take note of them number one uh, that you would have a prayer journal Um, i encourage you in in this new year maybe grab a journal Um, if you're like me you're really good at filling up the first half of a journal and then going on to a new journal Uh, i don't know why that's the case but it is but take a journal, and write down prayer requests so that if you're wondering what to pray for, it's already there when you wake up in the morning. You just pray for these things. And then as other things come upon your heart to pray for, write them down. I think it helps to have them before us so that when, when we're bowing to pray, our mind's not wandering in all these different directions. We can just look down on the page and begin to pray for the needs. That's a great way to lead us in prayer. And, and then you come back and you revisit it and maybe you write a response to the side of how God answered that prayer. This is nothing new. This has been done for centuries, using something to write down on page uh, prayer request. 
and revisiting them. So a prayer journal. Uh, maybe, and, and here's how I want to issue the challenge. Within the first month, within this week, if you would go get a prayer journal. I'm going to ask that you do one of the four here, okay? One of the four this month, and then the others following, or you can do them all four. That would be great. Uh, the next one is a prayer partner. Just have somebody that you can pray with. And young men in the room, this is not a chance uh, for you to go to a young lady and say, let's be prayer partners, all right? Because I care for you. <laughs> um, that may be sweet, but let's in- encourage with right motives here uh, that we find somebody that we can pray with, uh, that we can express real needs and be honest with. And this may take time. It may take time to be honest with somebody. Uh, what we talked about in our men's class on Wednesday night is that we'll, we're willing to share 97% of our life, but it's that 3% that we like to hold back because we think if anybody knew that 3%, they'd never want to be around me again. You want to have a prayer partner that you can share 97% with, but eventually share 100% with. But that takes time, so let's just admit that. But if, if you do not have somebody... Consider those that you're in community group with. Consider the ones that you're around. Uh, Come to us and say, I need a prayer partner. Maybe write that down on the card. I need a prayer partner. Let us come alongside you and be patient as we work in this, but we would love to connect you with somebody that you could faithfully pray with, maybe once a week, uh, once every other week. But I'm grateful for brothers in Christ that I have in my life that serve as prayer partners uh, that I can call upon and say, please pray for me on this. And they will not say that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but they will be faithful to pray for me. Prayer partner. Uh, Number three, uh, the scripture cards that we used earlier uh, for 2019, you want to recycle those again, use those again this year as prayer cards. Pray the scripture, read the scripture, pray it back to the Lord. Use it as a prayer guide. That's how we talk back and forth with God. We take his word, we hear what he has said to us, and then we speak back to him in prayer. That's a very effective way to have communication with God. So prayer scripture cards. And then number four, our Wednesday night equip classes. Uh, We have many different sessions that we teach on. One of them that we're going to be teaching on is prayer. And I I would love for you to attend that class because I teach it. That's why. But I would like for you to attend it because I want you to grow in prayer as I desire to grow in prayer. And then there are other amazing sessions to attend as well. And so you may think Wednesday night's just not convenient. Hello, thank you so much. It's not. (laughs) Uh, We talk about that as a family, and you go, you're the pastor. You shouldn't say that. But we do. It's not convenient, guys. Um, But it's made available. And so it does no good to make you feel guilty for not coming on Wednesday night. That is not a desire of my heart whatsoever. I just want to encourage you to say, give it a try. Give it a try. We give a lot of things a try in this community. How about giving the equipped classes a try? Just come to one eight-week session uh, on prayer. And uh, just come and, and join us. And whether it's learning about worship, whether it's learning how to be better financially uh, week to week, whether it's taking a ladies' Bible study, there, there are many classes that you can take, and I encourage you to give it a try and for your kids to come and benefit from that teaching on Wednesday night as well. So one of four, I'm just asking you to adopt quickly, and then maybe the other three will be grafted in along the way. But I know our habits, and I know that we can hear things and go, yes, I'm going to do this, but we need to put something in place. 
uh, to get running in the right direction. So I just wanted to give you this as we're going into or already in the new year, uh, that we would be a people who pray and pray effectively, pray often, uh, and pray together. And so with that, let's pray. And as we move forward in our service, Father, thank you for today. And God, as we come to a time to sing, may we rejoice in singing. Father, may we also rejoice in prayer. Thank you. Although you know us better than anyone else, you love us. And that your patience with us leads us to repentance. And that we can practice this repentance through prayer and calling upon you and trusting you. You want us to be intimate in our prayers with you, being honest, vulnerable, and trusting. And so, Father, may we be this people. Lead us through the power of the Holy Spirit where we are weak. Make us strong. And may we rejoice in this new year as we faithfully pray and call upon you. Thank you for making this possible all through your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.